Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Moms really are awesome, aren't they? If you... They really are. If you are a mom in the room, would you please stand for me today? Moms all over, stand today. And then if you have a mom, and which is going to be everybody in the room, would you stand? Because it's more than just celebrating actually being a mom. It's having a mom who delivered us to this point in life. And so we honor motherhood today, and we are thankful to you. You may be seated. So today, Jeremy asked me if I would um, speak, and I'm not a public communicator or preacher by, by nature, and I've only spoken one service at a time ever, and he said, no, I'm going to need you to speak all three, and I thought, oh, good Lord, these poor people. And so I apologize today. It was kind of throw me up here, sink or swim, so bear with me, be kind to me, and we'll make it through this thing together. But happy Mother's Day to each of you. You know, being a mom is really hard. And I also know that Mother's Day can have a great deal of mixed emotions for a lot of people. And I want to make sure that you know that I am sensitive to that today. Whether you want children and don't have them, today we honor you. And if your mom is not here today, we honor you as well. And mothering is difficult. I actually, I, I, I stand up here and I'm thinking about like um, all the roles mothers play, which we're about to talk about, just like the video. And and I'm your typical mom today. Like, I've got post-it notes written by the kids. I've got pickup tags to go pick up my children, Kleenexes, pins, all the like. And we're going to make it through the roles of mom today, and all this will serve as an example of how hard it really is. So let's get into the roles of moms. Mom is hard. The name mom speaks of a lot of work, doesn't it? The other day we were riding in the car, and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I had Branson in the car with me. I had Kinley in the car with me, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask them a, que- a couple of questions about like what they think being a mom is. What do moms do? So I gave them an example. I said, Branson, think about what moms do. Not just me, maybe me, but not just me, but all moms that you may know. Think about the role that they play that they may not get paid for. They're definitely not all educated to do, like enough to do, but think of some roles. So today he gave me an incredible list, the two of them together. And so I'm going to read some of these to you today. He said, moms are chefs, which is true. I make about 45 pounds of uh, fettuccine Alfredo a week. It doesn't matter if you are a good chef or not. It comes with the territory. So moms are chefs. Moms are personal shoppers. Whether you're shopping for prom dresses or you find yourself in the state that I was in this week, where you're in a store called Justice. If you have small little girls, you probably know what I'm talking about. It is filled with trinkets and gadgets and utter chaos. And you are their personal shopper. And you're buying things that you never imagined possible, like pillows that look like emojis. And even some in the shape of poop emojis that you're thinking, why does this exist? And yet you're buying them. You're their personal shopper. Then you're a taxi driver. He said, moms are taxi drivers. I thought, that's true. I spend 90% of the time in my car. We're taxi drivers. We're driving them to and from school, to and from ball practice, to and from sports and athletics and meetings, and to and from church. And for us, to and from church and to and from church. We're here a lot, so we drive to and from church a lot. So we're taxi drivers. He said, Mom, I think that, that you're a mailman. It took me a minute. I thought, mailman? What in the world? Why am I a mailman? He said, you know, like when I forget my school lunch at school at home and you bring it to me, you deliver my paperwork. Yeah, when we go to the school, our kids have a phenomenal school. And when we show up, unfortunately, the front office knows us by name. And they're like, Miss Isaacs, you've got their lunchbox again? I'm like, yes, sorry, third time this week. 
So we're their mailman, and he understands that because he forgets things often. We're their cheerleader. We sit on the sidelines, and we scream and yell, and we, we, we're excited for them, and we're, we're pushing them and encouraging them while we're on the sidelines. Have you ever listened to yourself in video, by the way? Jeremy's caught a couple of me. I sound like a, a moron, really. But we're their cheerleaders. <laughs> then he said, you're, their, you're a psychologist. I loved that one. thought, well, I didn't study psychology, but I am a psychologist, but I wanted to know why he thought that maybe moms were psychologists. I said, well, why do you think we're psych- well, I'm a psychologist? Like, what do psychologists do? He said, you know, like when I hit my brother, you say, like, what were you thinking? Which is true. He'll hit his brother, and I'll be like, what were you thinking? What was going through your head when you decided to slap him across the face? Like, what were you thinking? I'm a psychologist. I'm trying to get into the inner workings of these crazy kids' minds. I'm a PE teacher. I play in the backyard a lot, kick a lot of little balls around, throw balls, and, and all kinds of things. So we're PE teachers, right? We roll around the floor, play. We're teachers. Um, we're teachers, even if we're not educated to be teachers, and I, I swear what my kids are learning in sixth and fourth and second and kindergarten is what I was learning as a senior in high school. It's, it's way beyond me, but I'm a teacher, and I'm trying to make it through, and most of the time the kids will be like, Mom, you don't get it. I'm just going to take it to Dad, which is true. <laughs> we're the nurse, right? We take care of boo-boos. We do pit Band-Aids on things. We're doctors. You know, we kind of self-diagnose sometimes, too. Like if your kid has a fever, you're like, ah, oh, they're just teething. You know, they're like, they're like hacking. You're like, oh, they just, they're just teething. Like everything relates back to teething, you know. Or they, they just need more sleep. Drink some water, you'll be fine. The next one's really funny. You're a nutritionist. I said, buddy, why am I a nutritionist? Because he said, and he said, because you tell me I can't have any more donuts. I'm like, well, only when you've had 10. But, you know, nutritionist, we're, we're constantly watching what they're eating and what they shouldn't do. Police officer. So, yeah, that's true. We're kind of manning the home, you know, at different stages of life. And then we put them in this thing called timeout, which is really just jail and so that's why we're police officers we're maids we kind of follow around and clean up and scrub things kind of gross but we're maids we're personal assistants we kind of just really do whatever these kids like my calendar is not my own and it's filled with things that are all the kids i'm their personal assistant and then a really sweet last one he says you're our pastor and it had nothing to do really about what jeremy and i do it's about the way you kind of run your home and i hope that we're we're pushing our kids towards the call of Jesus Christ. But if you're anything like me and you hear this exhaustive list and it could be much longer and there were many more things I'm sure that I could have come up with, you could have come up with, or even the kids could have come up with of all the things moms actually do. If you're anything like me, you kind of like almost like limp to the bed at night, exhausted, like, oh, we made it through the day. And you kind of collapse in the bed and then you're filled with these thoughts of like, oh my God, do you think I totally screwed them up today? Like, you think that they're ever going to forgive me for what I did to them today? Are they ever going to forget that I screamed at the top of my lungs and absolutely lost my mind? You think they'll remember that forever? Did I totally screw them up? And the truth is, is that you're not alone in that. And it doesn't take um, a lot of time for you to pick up your Bible and in Scripture see that you are absolutely not alone. I think a lot of times we look at the Bible and we think that this is a book of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts and a checklist we're supposed to follow. Did we do this today? Did we pray enough? Did we not say this? Did we do this? And it is those things. But the Bible is filled with imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And in all of humanity's imperfections and all the things we're struggling to try to get right that we oftentimes fell miserably at, in each of these stories that we'll talk about in just a minute throughout the Bible, God does an amazing thing. And he takes all of the brokenness and all of the mess and all of the mistakes and he kind of 
changes them into good for his glory. He does, he redeems them, right? So let's look at some stories in the Bible. First one, man, you're going to feel really good about yourself after this one. I'm, I'm sure of it. Bathsheba. If you know anything about the story of David, you've heard of Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a mom, but Bathsheba committed adultery with David, and her sin cost her great sacrifice. And sometimes our sin, there is some, some cost to our sin. But again, in God's sovereignty in David and Bathsheba's life, Bathsheba gave birth to a son, and his name was Solomon. And if you read in the Bible, even out of all of the mistakes and all, of the, all the sin, Solomon is known in the, in the Bible as the wisest king in all the kingdom throughout all of Scripture. God took brokenness. God took sin. He turned it into good, and something happened that no one could have ever even explained. And I'm sure Bathsheba looked at her son and thought, to God be all the glory, right? Then you have Ruth and Naomi. Maybe you are recently married, or maybe your children are recently married, and you're trying to navigate this thing called in-laws, which we all know can be difficult at times to, to deal with. But family is represented throughout Scripture. And there's a beautiful story in the story of Ruth and Naomi where they have two people from two completely different backgrounds, completely different cultures, who come together in this family unit and work together really hard to make it work. If you're struggling, if you're a struggling mom, a struggling married woman and trying to figure out this newlywed thing, you don't have to look much further than Scripture in the story of Ruth and Naomi. Then you have Sarah, sweet Sarah. Sarah dreamed of having a child. She would go to the temple on a regular basis and she'd cry out to God, God, give me a child. She had to wait a really long time, longer than she ever anticipated. The Bible actually said she was way beyond the age to actually be able to have a child. You know what God did, though? She took some matters into her own hands and she had a son that she shouldn't have. And so we're reminded today that we should wait on God even if it doesn't make sense. But then she waited and she trusted God. And you know what God did? He proved himself faithful and he gave her a son and he was a mighty man of God. And then one of my favorites, which we often look over, we have Eve. I think we often take the characters in the Bible and we think that they're like movie characters and not real and we take like the humanity out of them. These are real people who were doing life like me and you throughout the world. And you have Eve. Eve was born or created by God and he said, you're going to populate the world with children. She's like, what's children? You know, what are babies? What is this thing? Childbirth is going to be painful. What in the world is childbirth? You see, Eve had no example. There wasn't other mother. She was the only woman. No one had ever even done what God had asked her to do. And yet here she finds herself trying to figure out this motherhood thing. There was no one to ask, like, what is it like when your kids are teething? What do you do with diaper rash? What do you do when they throw themselves in the middle of the ground and won't get up and they're acting like a crazy person and you're trying to get to go somewhere? What do you do? She had no one to look to. It's almost like Adam and Eve, or I'm sorry, uh, Noah and the ark. You know, God told Noah, build a boat. A boat? What's a boat? Well, it's for when it rains. Well, it's rain. That's kind of what Eve was with children, and we take it for granted. But Eve had children and no example to follow. Maybe you find yourself in this thing of motherhood, and you're lonely, and there's no example. You don't have to look much further than Scripture. But Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. This will make you feel better about yourself. One of the brothers killed the other one. 
terrible story. But God, again, in his sovereignty, proved faithful to Eve because he promised Eve. He told her, you will be the mom, more or less, of the entire world. You'll birth all nations. We sit here today, really, because of Eve and all the things she did on her own. So she didn't get it right, but God was faithful. Then you have Hannah. Hannah, too, begged God for a child, and she, too, would go to the temple and cry out to God for God to give her her deepest heart's desire. And she told God, God, if you give me a child, I promise I'll dedicate him back to you. It's really where we get even dedication that we do in church today. We get baby dedication from the story of Hannah. And Hannah kept her promise to God. God kept her promise to, or his promise to Hannah. Hannah had a baby. She dedicated it to God. If you've ever been in a season in your life where you have a child who's trying to spread their wings or learn how to, how to do things on their own, you know what it takes? You have to release control. You have to let go a little bit. It's probably one of the hardest things the mom has to do. And that's what Hannah did, and she kept her promise to God. Then you have Jehochebed, I believe is how you say it. You have Moses' mother. She was the mighty protector. You see, the king had said, Pharaoh had said, I'm going to kill all the firstborn babies. And, Mo, and Jehochebed said, no, you're not. Not mine. She fiercely protected him, and in a moment where she couldn't keep him safe, you know what she did? She gave him away. And God protected him, and eventually in that story, she redeemed, the story was redeemed, just like God always does. And they came back together. The Bible is filled with imperfect people pursuing a perfect God in their humanity. They mess up, and yet God takes all of our mess-ups and all of our messes and does more with them than we can even think possible. God is faithful. So if you sit here today and you think, I have totally screwed this thing up, you have never gone too far, that God can't redeem your story. Think, I didn't do it right the first time. You can always do it right the next time. You think, I've messed it up too much. God can and will redeem your story. See, there's a lot of roles that mothers play. A lot of roles we play. There's only one role that's important. Out of all the things and all the chaos and all of life's mess and the spilling of sippy cups and the, the chaos of taking people to sports or paying their way through college or teaching them to drive or planning weddings or navigating in-laws and relationships, there's only one thing that matters in all of that. There's really only one role a mom has. You have one role. And that role is to point your children at any stage into a loving, grace-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything that you do throughout your day should be about pointing your children to Jesus. The Bible says, train up, a way, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22, 6. It's the idea that you are going to do to the best of your ability to help these kids navigate this journey called life all under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. We have a lot of roles, but only one that really matters, and it's to lead our children to Jesus, to point them to Jesus in everything that we do. It looks a little bit like driving your kids to and from being that taxi driver we talked about, to and from sports, to and from practice, to and from school. 
and, and practicing exercising grace in the way you drive. Like when the guy cuts you off the road, like not yelling at him like we all do a couple of times. It's practicing grace. It's, it's, it's demonstrating grace and love. When they spill the sippy cup, it's being patient. It's cheering them on on the sidelines, but cheering them on in a way that they don't find their value in performance, but they know that their value is only found in Jesus Christ, and this is just something fun they get to do. They're more important than any performance or anything they can actually achieve, and it's all about being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's where their value is. You know, you carry the name Mom. In the Bible, if you look in Scripture, you see that when God called something new and changed it, or when God forgave and, and had a new calling or purpose from, for somebody and changed the trajectory of their life, he gave them a new name. Do you remember when you were coming up with the name for your children? Like it seems now that they have a name, like it wasn't a big deal. But do you remember trying to come up with names for your kids? You're like, I guarantee you and your husband had a few fights about it, right? It was like you came up with this really cool name. You were like really excited about it, like Willow, which I loved, by the way. Willow. And they're like, absolutely not. We will not have a Willow in our home. We got, I've got a really cool name, Jehochabed. Absolutely not. There will be no Jehochabeds in our home. You fight about the name because the name have meaning. Names have meaning, right? You look at your child and you're like, this is Kinley. This is Cooper. You know, they have names, a name that they carry with them forever. Names are important. But you see in Scripture that when something became new, God changed the name. This really cool thing happens in our world today that when you find out that you're expecting, guess what? Your name changes. You're not any, I'm not longer or any longer called Corey by four really important people in my house. Being called mom serves as a reminder that my life is not my own and my life is not about me, but I have a new name and a new calling and it is to point these children to the call of God on their life. When we were in the hospital, I have some funny stories in the hospital. Actually, there was one time I had gotten up, I literally had the baby like two hours and I got, I'd gone to the restroom and come back out, and Jeremy was asleep in the hospital bed. I guess his bed wasn't comfortable enough, and so he kind of took over, <laughs> over the bed. But there was a time or two that Jeremy would step out, and he would go get something to eat. And I would take a moment, and I would read this scripture over our children. And I did it every, all four times. And it says this, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret places, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days of my life were ordained for me before one of them was written in the book. You see, the children that you carried have a calling of God on their life. They are ordained by God. This whole mom thing is not about me or you, is it? See, we all sit here and the same scripture is true for us. You sit here and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are called and chosen by a mighty God who wants big things for your life. 
And then he did this really cool thing and gave you children. And he said, I formed them in your womb. Your job is to let them know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your job is to point them to me to let them know that I have a call of God on their life. They're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. They've got something God wants them to do, and you get to be a part of their story. You get to help mold and shape them into the mighty men and women that God desires them to be, and moms play a role in that, and it is the only and most important role that you should focus on. So when you hear mom like a thousand times a day, there's been a few times in, in my life, especially when the kids were younger, that they would just say like, mom, 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 mom. And I'd be like, if I hear mom one more time, I swear to you, I'll lock myself in the room. I won't come out the rest of the day. You better not say mom again. You know, have you ever said like a funny word like that you're trying to spell and you say it out loud and it loses its meaning? And you're like, is that, is that even a word now? Like you said it enough that it doesn't even sound like it's a real word. That's kind of, I think, what happens with mom. Like you tone it out, it doesn't even sound like a real word. But can I remind you today? that there is no greater responsibility than all the world, than hearing the name mom. It comes with a mighty calling. And if you're here in this room today and you say, my kids are grown, I might not have gotten it all right, you don't have to look further than the scripture to know that God still can redeem broken things. The things that you feel like you messed up, God can fix. The things you felt like you did wrong, God can heal. And if you have young kids in your life, and you feel like, I've messed this up, guess what? God can fix it. God can heal it. God can redeem it. I was talking to someone the other day, and I was telling them, and they were praying for something, and I said to them, if you're pursuing God with everything that you are, if you're chasing after the call of God for your life, guess what? You're not responsible and on the hook for the result. God is. God is responsible. God is on the hook to be true to his word. If you are to the best of your ability raising your children under the fear and admonition of God, guess what? You're not on the hook for the result. God is. Because God says if you'll train them up, they won't leave it. He's on the hook to be responsible for the result of your child's life, not you, if you're pursuing and following and modeling what it looks like to live a Christ-centered life. Your kids have a calling of God on them. It's beyond you. It's bigger than me. It's by God. It's ordained by God. They are ordained by God. And there is no exception to any of that in this room ever or ever will be. God formed you. He formed your children. He made them. And he allows you to play a vital part in their lives. Never allow the chaos of motherhood to cause you to lose sight of the ultimate purpose of motherhood. Motherhood can be chaotic. It looks like chaos. Don't allow the chaos to ever, ever, ever overshadow the ultimate calling of being a mom. And there's only one purpose, and it's to lead your kids towards Jesus. A life that pursues God. That you model in your marriage what it looks like to be a loving wife, a loving husband. What it looks like to discipline in love and not out of anger. What it looks like to pursue God. That's your one role. It's your most important. And when that is done, 
all the chaos of the other stuff kind of falls into place. So regardless of what stage you find yourself in or what stage your kids are in, you always have a role. A mom's role may look different in different stages, but it's always just important. So if you have kids that have moved out, maybe they're spreading their wings and they're learning how to do life on their own and you're having to be a little bit like Hannah and you're having to kind of like dedicate that that baby to, to, or that grown child to God and say, God, they're yours. And that's really hard. Know this. They still need you. They need your phone calls. They need your words of affirmation. They need your visits. They need to hear your voice. If you are in this room today and your mother is not here, I am deeply sorry for you today. Because a mother's role never changes. But it comes with a heavy responsibility. And it's to make sure that you are pursuing a life that follows hard after Christ. And that in everything you do, you're pointing them to Jesus. Would you stand with me today? Jeremy told me that I had like 35 minutes. I was like, that's a long time to preach. I'm not going to do that to these people. And he does it to you every week. I apologize. You can thank me after service that you get out early. Being a mom is one of the greatest callings in all the world. It's also one of the hardest. And it is impossible to do without Jesus. It's impossible to do the right way without Jesus. Let me pray for you today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the name Mom. I thank you for being able to wear that name. I thank you for the responsibility that comes with it and that comes with pushing kids towards you, children towards you, adults towards you. Help us to be men and women in this room that model that for the kids around us, whether they live in or out of our home. Help us to be examples of men and women that strive to follow and chase hard after Jesus. Help us to teach our kids that they have a God-ordained purpose whether that's being a teacher, that they would be the best teacher they could be. And when kids come in their classroom, they don't even know it, but they're praying over their children. If they're a medical doctor, that they would care for their patients and then they would pray over their patients when those patients don't even know. You have a call of God on each of our lives, on each of the lives of our children. And help us to the best of our ability to nurture that and chase hard after you. And then in the moments when we fail, and we will, that you would be there to clean up all of the pieces and that you would continue to write a story that speaks to your redeeming nature and your unending grace. I pray a hedge of protection over every family represented in this room and I pray that we would be a people that chase after God-sized dreams and that our children would walk in God-purpose and God-calling. We'll be sure to give you all the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.